Good morning, Church on the Rock. All right, my name is Rashad Cunningham. I'm the pastor here at Church on the Rock. Grateful to see all of your faces this morning. Thankful to see all of your faces this morning. Um, as many of you know, I've been kind of down with a little bit of sickness throughout the week. So if my voice sounds like I'm going through puberty, it's because of the sickness, all right? <laughs> it's just the sickness. Just work with me here. So give me grace in that. But um, I'm excited for today's message. The reason we do the Good Morning Rashad is to make sure that you are awake and that you are engaged with the message. There's nothing to glorify me. I just like to know that you're here and that you're excited about the Word. So when I say Good Morning Church on the Rock, you say Good Morning Rashad. Say it as loud as you can so we can get this thing rocking. Good Morning Church on the Rock! Good morning, Rashad! Boom! All right, so we started off the year. I'm going to roll my sleeves up for this one. It's getting hot in here. We started off the year um, in a particular series called Hello, My Name is Hypocrite. Now, yeah, boom, right there. Yes, if it's your first time here, that's a funny title, right? People say, pa other pastors were like, why would you use that? Do you want people to stay at your church? And I was like, yeah, I just think it's a good title. But anyway, so um, what happens is because of the last month, uh, Friends Day and with Cameron's situation and everything, we've had a lot of different sermons that steered away from this. And what happens is sometimes we'll get comfortable thinking, hey, we've been such a great church. We've been serving at this amazing level. We were there for the Allen family in ways like never before. But if we're being honest, we've always been a great church. And a lot of churches are great churches in moments of, of tension and tragedy and things like that. But it doesn't negate the fact that who we were when we started the year is probably still who we are once things fall off, and we don't want that to happen. We don't want that to happen. We don't want to go back uh, to who we were before this month. We want to take the momentum of who we've been this month and continue it honestly for the rest of our lives. And what I want to do is I want to capture that moment while getting back to our sermon series, Hello, My Name is Hypocrite. So we're going to be in Malachi 1.11. For those of you who are taking notes, opening your Bibles, on your phones, whatever, Malachi 1.11, and I, this is only one verse that we're doing, so y'all know what that means. If there's only one verse, that means I got a lot of scriptures coming, right? Like, I'm really going to break this thing down. Last service, I almost did it, but I had to close off a little early. Tyler started giving me the look like, Rashad, come on. But I got a little bit of extra time because we had a short beginning worship. So here we go. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so God, through Malachi, is saying, he says, from... Uh, excuse me, for from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be offered to my name and a grain offering that is pure. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Once again, I'm going to read it one more time. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, Incense is going to be offered to my name, and a grain offering that is pure, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord. Okay? That's the verse. That's where we're going to be at, and we're going to break this thing down. So, real quick, I used to work for a company called Stericycle about three or four jobs ago, all right? Uh, what they do, they do like waste management uh, of like pills, right? So, somebody will call and be like, hey, my, my Viagra's not working. Can, will you take my Viagra back? And I'll be like, yeah, just send it back. We'll take it back and we'll dispose of it the way we're supposed to dispose of it. Uh, what ends up happening is I came into that company through manpower. Anybody familiar with manpower, right, temp service? I came in through manpower. I was making nine, ten bucks an hour, right? And then I got moved up into a position called help desk associate. And it was three people 
uh, for a 24-hour shift. So three people worked eight-hour shifts. One of us, me, got to work the midnight shift, got to work at home. And I learned all these different things and became great, became great at this job. I mean, excellent at this job. I was all that in a bag of chips, all right? I mean, I was, I was the bomb.com, bomb diggity, you name it. I was the best tech person that ever lived on the planet in my perspective, right? And, and so as I was doing this job and I got better and better, I, I stopped doing the eight hours of working. And, and Shola, I would, I would sleep for six hours, honestly, and then do all my work in two hours, bro. Because I was just that good at my job, right? I'm like, who, they, what are they going to do, fire me? They need me, right? And, and so as time went on, like, I really got to a place where I was like, I am, I'm the greatest thing that ever happened to this company. Like, because I exist, StairCycle is successful. And, and what ended up happening was this. They called me into the office, and I just knew. When they called me into the office, it's promotion time, right? I'm about to get promoted because I, am the, I have the best numbers. I got the best call times. I, help, I get the best customer reviews because I'm a people person. I'm working the third shift and all this good stuff. And, and when I'm coming in, they're going to promote me to be over this thing because I'm the greatest ever, right? Well, when I got there, they were like, Rashad, we're moving to Lake Forest, Illinois. And unless you can move to Lake Forest, Illinois, this particular, you know, part, um, you, we're going we're gonna to fire you. We're going to let you go. And I'm like, <laughs> let me go. This is a joke, April Fool's, whatever, right? And Because here's the thing. My wife, if y'all know anything about my wife, she's not going north. If we're moving anywhere, it's south, right? So <laughs> she's not going north to Lake Forest, Illinois. It, so that's not going to work for me. So you're telling me if I don't take this job, you're telling me you're going you're gonna to remove me? Like, you know who I am? I am the third shift help desk person. That's the reason this company is still in existence. If you fire me, this company is going to go under the water, period, right? Like, this is my mentality. They're like, well, that's cool. Um, uh, with or without you, we're moving to Lake Forest, Illinois, and if you can't make the move, we're going to let you go. Sorry for you. So two weeks later, they let me go. I got my severance and all that. And in my mind, I was like, you just wait. One year from now, they're going to be bankrupt. They're going to be, you know, they're not, they're not going to exist anymore because I am Rashad Cunningham, all right? Without me, this company is horrible. It's just it's nothing without me. And years later, I found out that they're doing way better than what they were doing when I was around. And the help desk is larger and Lake Forest, Illinois is an amazing place. And just all this stuff basically showing me that I was expendable, right? The reason I say that is because the context of this verse is, is vital for you understanding why this verse is so important. So my first point this morning is, hello, my name is expendable. You know, when we do the hello, my name is hypocrite series, we take the hello, my name is, and we put different things in there to kind of hit you in the mouth a little bit. Well, hello, my name is expendable. Now, remember, Malachi 1.10, let me just give you context real quick. Malachi 1.10 G, uh, excuse me, God, through Malachi, says, Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will, nor will I accept an offering from you. Now look at this. This is why this is important, okay? This is not America that he's talking to, all right? If he's talking to Church on the Rock and he says, I wish, Rashad, that you would shut the doors because the worship is horrible, the, the sacrifices, the offerings are so half-hearted, shut the doors. 
we'd be like, well, Connection Point's still open, right? Like, Parkside's still open. You can still go down here to Kingsway. There's all these different places that you can go worship, right? No, no. This is the Old Testament. There is one place of worship. There's one temple in the whole world, not the county, not the state, not the country. In the entire world, there is one place to worship the Lord, the Jerusalem temple. One place. And God says, I wish you would shut the gates to the one place that I'm being worshipped, to the one place that sacrifices are made, to the one place that offerings are being brought. I wish you would shut the gates so that they could no longer do it. Now, naturally, we would be like, well, hold on, God. If you shut the gates to the one place, then your name is going to cease to exist. People won't know about you. They won't know about your people. They won't know about this temple. They won't know about your worship, your sacrifices, your offering. You will cease to exist because because you need us, right? Like, 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 God, don't you realize if I stop preaching, like, that's the end of Christianity, bro? Like, this is essentially what's going on here. He said, I, so, so for him to say, I wish you would shut the gates to the one temple in the entire world, it would give you that kind of, that response, like, hold on, God, if this is the only temple. If you shut the temple down, then, then what about you? Like, your name, what about you and who you are and all these great things about you? Like, it'll cease to exist. Well, that's what brings us to Malachi 1.11. He, he responds to that thinking immediately, and he's like, for from the rising of the sun, even to its settings, and some of you may see that as a timepiece. Uh, real quick before we go further, that is actually a place piece, right? It's not from the rising of the sun, 6 o'clock in the morning, to the setting, 6 o'clock at night. This is from the rising of the sun, like east to west. And we know that because the rest of the Old Testament shows us. In Psalm 50, uh, I'll give you a quick example. In Psalm 50, he says, The mighty one God, the Lord, has spoken and summoned the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Not time, but place, like from everywhere on earth, where the sun rises to where the sun sets, everywhere on earth he summoned the earth. In Psalm 113, he says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. That's not an all-day thing. You, you could interpret it that way, but in the Hebrew text, it actually means everywhere the Lord's name will be praised at all, you know, all times and all that. So going back to Malachi 11, 1, I mean 1, 1, 11, he says this, For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. In other words, hey, Jewish people, hey, chosen people, Hey, Israelites who thought it was all about you, you're expendable. You're expendable. And in the same way he said it to them, I'm saying it on his behalf to you (laughs) and myself. You're expendable. God does not need you, okay? I know you think you're special, but you ain't that special, boo-boo, okay? (laughs) You're not that special that if you don't step up, if you don't serve, that everything just ceases to exist, right? God does not need you. If he didn't need his chosen people, the Jews, the Israelites, and he was like, you can shut this temple down right now. My name will still be great. His name is not based on people. Put that up for me, Leo. His name is not people-based. You understand that? So this is, this is major. Like, this is, this is major. Because one of the reasons we won't serve in ministry is because it's all about us. Right? Rashad, I would help with the kids, but 
I don't know what I think I need to know to be back there to help lead the kids and this and then that. It's not about you. I just need willing bodies. We will equip the bodies to do what they need to do. We will equip the minds to do what they, they need to do. We will teach them. We will raise you up. I'm not up here preaching because I'm some great scholar who has a, man, my, man, if y'all saw my, my high school transcripts, I put, I put them up here one time. 1.6, okay? <laughs> like I barely got out of high school. I'm just being real. I'm just going to be honest with you, right? So it's not about how, much, how smart I am. It's not about how much I knew. It's not about how great I was in school or any of that stuff. No, none of that stuff. It's about being a, a willing vessel because with or without you, his name will be great. With or without you, these kids will be led to Christ. The question is, do you want to be a part of it? Think about that. You are expendable. Like, really grasp this, right? Really grasp this thought. He tells the people, the chosen people who thought, because we're the chosen people, obviously he can't do it without us. And God's like, no, I don't need you. I, I chose you. I don't need you. It's not, you're not a priority for me. It's a privilege for you. There's a big difference, right? Him choosing us is our privilege, not his priority. So, so when we sit here and we make it all about us, because even your insecurities are about you. I mean that. Even your insecurities are about you. I'm going to tell on myself real quick since I did it first service. I guess I got to do a second service. Um, bear with me here and understand I'm a very, if you, this is your first time hearing me, I'm very transparent. So if it rubs you wrong, I'm just raw about how fallen and flawed I am, okay? Every week, James Walker, <laughs> raise your hand, James. I'm going to put you on the spot. Yep, that's James over there. All right, every week I hit James Walker on Marco Polo. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, I'm doing fine, man. And I'm like, hey, man, um, I'm struggling. He's like, what you struggling with, Rashad? Oh, man, my sermon's not done. <sighs> Again? <laughs> you know, this is every week, every week. I just don't know if it's going to be done in time for Sunday. Oh, woe is me, woe is me, and all of this and all of that. Here's the reality I found as I was walking through this verse. It's a pride thing. It's a me thing. It's me thinking I'm not exp it's expendable. This is what happens. Every week I'm more worried about, and I'm just being honest with my failures as a Christian, okay? Every week, I'm more worried about what my acronym is going to be or what my alliteration is going to be instead of just getting here and saying, his name is great. You see what I'm saying? Every week, I am, I am stressing myself on, oh, I need another E. If I don't get this E, the sermon will fall flat. And James is like, bro, you could just open the Bible, read it, teach it, and you're fine. We don't even need points, bro. Paul didn't use points. Peter didn't use points. Why does Rashad got to use points, right? And I'm, but the people need points. No, they don't. That is me thinking that I'm needed. I'm just being real with you. Every week, this is my struggle. But, but, but what happens is all I'm showing you is that I'm thinking that the me, my personality, and my style is not expendable. Because if I don't do it my way, if I don't do it the Rashad way, nobody's going to learn anything this week, right? When in fact, God's like, man, sometimes you get in the way. Okay, I talked about me. Now, what about you? <laughs> now, what about you? How many times have you not decided to serve or step up or do something because you're worried about how you're going to look in front of the people instead of worried about how God's going to look? Don't you know when you are most inadequate when you are most insecure, God gets the greatest glory, right? Because I'm like, remember what they said in Acts to Peter? When they, when they looked at Peter and John, they were like, those are untrained men. 
They didn't go to seminary. They didn't go to Bible college. They should barely be able to read. How are they teaching with such authority? I tell you how, because it's God, not them, right? It's Jesus, not them. It's the power of the Spirit, not them. So when you step up in areas where you're like, I just don't know, Rashad, let me pray on it, meaning you're not going to do it. You just want to get out my face, right? <laughs> this is what's happening. Your insecurities are keeping you, are, are making it about your name, about your name. And you're thinking that, you, you really think that your level of teaching is going to hinder the gospel and hinder the kingdom and hinder God, hinder his plan for salvation? You, if, if that was the pressure I had every time I got up here, I would not teach. If I had to pick the right scripture at the right time and present it in the right way perfectly, then I'd rather not be up here. Because if that's the case, I'm going to fail every time. God says, I don't need you. You're expendable. My name's going to be great with or without you. So why would you not want to be a part of that? Why would you not want to join in on that? My name will be great among the, among the nations, Israelites. You're sitting, remember, the verses 1 through 10, all we're talking about is all the things they're halfway doing, all the things that they're putting, their lackadaisical efforts, they're giving their leftovers and offerings, they're giving the sick and the lame, and this is all the things that they were doing in the context, right? And he goes, look, you can shut the gates because there will be a people that I will raise up and they will do it the right way, and they will appreciate it. Remember, it's like one of those, what you trash, others are going to treasure, right? The, 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 you look at the American church, and, and we trash this freedom that we have to serve. We trash this freedom we have to gather. We trash this freedom we have to belong to, to a congregation where you got a big billboard on the outside of the place telling you what's going on in here on a Sunday morning. They don't get that in some of these third world countries, Right? We trash it. They treasure just being able to get in the presence of five people, right, Shola, and just open one Bible. We, oh, oh, at one time where we might lose our lives if we get caught doing this, but we're going to treasure this moment because we may not get another one. We, but we freely can sit at home, freely open up Bibles on every app and everything, and we won't even do that. Why? Because it's about us. It's about us. It's not about him. We actually think that we are not expendable. So this is what happens. Like in John 1, uh, John, the, the Gospel of John puts it like this. It says, Jesus came to his own, and those who were his own, the Jews, the Israelites, they did not receive him. Look what happened. He says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So, so the children of God, the chosen people, should have been the Jews and all that, but they didn't receive Christ. So what happens is those who were anybody, the Gentiles, us, right, uh, it says that they got the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Look at this. And it says those who were born, look at this, not of blood, so it's not because of your lineage, nor of the will of the flesh. It's not how hard you worked up to become a child of God, nor of the will of man. It's not somebody telling you, hey, you look like a child of God, so I'm going to call you a child of God. None of that makes you a child of God, only being born of God. That's it. In other words, Jewish people, like Yes, you were the chosen people, but you could care less about that. So anybody who receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, anybody who believes in my son is Jesus Christ, any of them will be born of me. Any of them will be reborn. Any of them will belong to the family, to the children of God. I don't need you. I don't need you. But, but here's the thing. If he didn't need his chosen people, how much more does he not need you? How, how much more does he not need you, the Gentiles, right? And... and all of this is actually pointing to us being included. All of this is like foreshadowing that when Christ comes, 
is going to open up to us. We were the heathens. We were the ones on the outside. We, we were the ones who were not included, right? We were the outcasts. We were the, we were the ones, oh, the strangers of the commonwealth. All that stuff in Ephesians 2, that was us. So now that we have access to God through Christ, now that the barrier between Jew and Gentile has been broken at the cross because of Christ, we're acting just like them. We're acting just like them. As if, like, he needs us. Like, like you're lucky I came to church, God. You're lucky I sang this morning, God. You, you're lucky I'm using my gift. Your gift. You, oh, oh, so you fearfully and wonderfully made yourself, right? You was in mama's womb like, let me get my voice together because when I get out here, I'm just going to be all that in the baggage. Really? Like, 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 think about this. Like, what, what would it look like for me to get up here and be like, Hey, look, look, y'all, because y'all not responding to my preaching that is so amazing and excellent, I'm gone. Good luck. Good luck without me. God's like, Bill, come on, you know? And then I, I, don't, I don't know if you want that preacher, I'm just saying. <laughs> but it wouldn't matter. I said earlier, if, if Ty came in here and was like, look, y'all not worshiping with me, y'all not on note, y'all not on tone, and she's not like this, I'm just teasing her, right? Y'all not, not in tone and in harmony, so I'm gone. I'm going to go somewhere else. God be like, okay, raise up another worship leader. Like, no matter what you think you are, God's like, it will happen without you. Now, that's the individual, right? But here's the scary part. Church on the rock, no matter what you think you are as a church, God doesn't need you. All right? If we won't step up and take care of these kids the way we're supposed to, guess what? We're going to lose this church real quick because, first of all, people are going to leave and take their kids somewhere where they want to serve the kids. And let me tell you this. If you go to those other children's ministries, they don't know no more than us, right? Them teachers in the you Go talk to some other youth teachers. You'd be like, you teach? You, you don't know more than me. They're like, I'm saved. A lot of kids aren't. I know more than them. That's simple, right? I just want to be used. I didn't say I was the greatest teacher. I didn't say I was the, the most you know, biblically, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't have all that. No, I have a heart to want to be used by God. I want to be a part of his plan for salvation for these kids. So I'm just serving. I didn't say I was a scholar. I'm not trying to prove nothing to you. I'm trying to prove Christ to these kids, right? So, so, so Church on the Rock, if we don't want to step up, guess what? God can shut these doors tomorrow if he chooses to. Something, we're, we rent, okay? All, all it takes is the landlord saying, look, I don't know what it is, and he's a Christian man, but it's been laid on my heart that y'all cannot rent this space no more. Guess what? That would be a God thing, and all of a sudden, people have to find other churches, and then, guess what? Church on the Rock, you're not what you thought you was. You thought because you had a big service that you was doing something right. Er, wrong. You see what I'm saying? Like, this is, this is the reality of this text, right? I don't need you. You're expendable. So um, in, in Luke 19, give me Luke 19. Look at this. Jesus is on his way to the Mount of, um, Mount of Olives. It says, as Jesus was going, uh, they were spreading their coats on the road. So the people are spreading. It's his triumphant entry. And as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen. Keep going. They, this is what they were shouting. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees heard that, and they looked at, the, they looked at Jesus and said, Hey, teacher, 
rebuke your disciples. Why? Because they're praising your name. They're giving glory to your name. They're looking at you. They're, they're saying you're the king of kings type of thing, the Lord of lords. But look what Jesus responded. He, Jesus answered and said, hey, I tell you, if, if these people become silent, like if they, if they silent down, if they quiet down, if they stop praising my name, the stones will cry out. Like, look at that. Like, yo, yo, if the people won't praise me, the pebbles will praise me, right? Like, if church on the rock won't do it, then the rocks outside the church going to do it. You see what I'm saying? Like, this is what he's saying. I'm going to get my glory. I'm going to get my praise. You ain't got to be a part of that. I, I'm, I'm giving you the opportunity to be a part of something great, but if you don't want to, then cool. Cool. I, uh, Shipley's in here. Shipley is the only Patriot fan I know, really. But, <laughs> but here, here, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Um, one thing about the Patriots, whether you love them or hate them, here's, here's an amazing thing about them. Everybody's expendable, right, Shipley? They, they pick people up, and if you act out or you act a certain way, you can go. Like, they, lip, they cut people like this because they're like, it's not about the name on the back. It's about what's going on on the front. It's about the, like, this system is going to win with or without you. They may cheat to do it, but they're going to win <laughs> with or without you. I'm just saying, all right, all right, all right, all right. So, so, uh, so, so, so that brings me to this, to, like, that brings me to this moment right here. So for some of us, it's, it's pure fear and insecurities and inadequacies. We, we talked about that. But here's the thing. So uh, the story of Esther, and I'm going to tell you ahead of time, if you take anything in terms of homework, go read the book of Esther this week, please. It's five chapters. It won't take long. It's the only book in the Bible where God's name is not mentioned, and yet you see the It's, it's amazing, right? But so I'm going to give a quick summary because i got to cram this in. But in the story of Esther, um, Esther is a slave. She's a Hebrew slave in this Persian kingdom. The king calls on his wife, and for whatever reason, the wife doesn't come, so he's like, divorce. Like, I, they need marital counseling. But he's like, divorce. Like, I'm done with you, right? All right. So as a result, he calls on the, the, the kingdom is like, bring all the women to this dance, this ball, this court, whatever, and I'm going to pick a new wife from there. And Esther, the Hebrew slave, puts herself together and all that good stuff. She comes and he, she catches his eye, and she must have been amazing, like, to his eye, because he marries the, the slave, and the slave becomes a queen. Now, in this story, the king's right-hand man manipulates a document, per se, or manipulates um, a rule uh, that says we can, on this day coming up, we can kill all the Jews. We can, kill, we can legally go out and kill all the Hebrews and the Jews just because we, we just don't like them. We can just do it. And he gets the king to sign it in this manipulative way. Well, that gets back to Esther's uncle, cousin type of thing. It gets back to Esther's family member named Mordecai. And Mordecai is like, yo, this cannot happen. I'm going to go to my sibling, Queen Esther, and tell her, hey, you need to go talk to your husband and tell your husband that this can't happen to your people, right? Well, Esther's response to that, she's like, well, you see, here, and this is culture. This is what the culture was. If I go to the king and he doesn't call for me, he can kill me. He can have my head. Even if I'm his wife, this is just the culture. If you go to the king and the king hasn't called on you, if he doesn't extend his scepter of grace, per se, his golden scepter, then off with your head. That's just, that's just what the culture was. So she's like, so I'm not going to the king because I haven't been called to go to the king in over a month, so I'm not just going to walk up to him now and, and have my head for these people. 
right? Like that's the context of what I'm about to show you. So in Esther 4.12, they related those words back to Mordecai. They told Mordecai, hey, this is what Esther said. She's not going because it would cost her her life if she went because the king hasn't summoned her. She can't, she can't go. She's scared to go. And then Mordecai told them to reply this to Esther. Mordecai said, look, do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. So stop right there. Basically, she said, you think, he, Mordecai said, you think just because you're the queen, you're still a Jewish queen, right? Like, I know you married to the king, but you're still a Jew. And this is for all Jews. So just because of your position as queen doesn't change the fact that you're a Jew. You see what I'm saying? That you're a Hebrew. It doesn't change that at all. So you're not safe. You're not going. It's not only bad for us, it's bad for you. So there's the first logic behind it. But then look at this. This is beautiful. For if you remain silent at this time, so if you won't go to the king because you're scared, because you're insecure, because you're inadequate, because of all these excuses you have not to go serve for other people, if you won't go to the king, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. You see that? If you won't go serve the kids, relief and deliverance will arise from another place. If you won't get up to sing for worship, relief and deliverance will arise from another place. If you don't preach, Rashad, somebody's going to do it. He will raise up whatever he, he doesn't need you. He simply does not need you. You not doing this is not bad for him. It's bad for you. It's bad for you. You're the one missing out on what you could reap if you just sow. The ben- man, when you pour into children, the response you get of, of just not even like, they're not like, oh, that was such a great theology lesson, Rashad. They're like, just the fact you were back there with me, I'm going to remember you forever. You, you know, just the fact that you stepped up, just the fact that you called on my birthday, just the fact that you took me out for my birthday, just the, all these things matter to them. It's not even about how much you know or how inadequate you are. It's the fact that you're there. That's it. You're there. Your presence. But if you don't do it, God will raise it up from somewhere. So when, so when you are mad at somebody at church and you're not going to the church anymore, you're, you're giving up on church, that's cool. A whole lot of people are still going to go. And when, you, and when you don't want to serve in this or smile at that or love this or do any of those things, God's like, that's fine. You're going to suffer. You're, that, that, that prison you're placing yourself in, you're going to suffer. You know why? Because you are expendable. You're expendable. So he says, look, look, it will rise from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. So, like, let's bring that into this context. Like, regardless if we do it or not, it's going to rise from another place. And if we don't do it, guess what? This house, this house, church on the rock, it'll perish. I'll tell you that right now. The, the, if you start looking at the, autop- the, the autopsy of a, of a dying church, um, you'll see that um, one of the things is lack of serving one another. A church that's dying or a church that's dead, if you look at the symptoms of what led to it, it was a lack of serving one another. Everybody came to just sit and get what they needed and leave. So what happens? The church dies. Why? Because nobody actually believes in each other. Nobody can lean on each other. Nobody can trust in each other. And what happens, and then if that's not the reason, it's because all of us, this generation, we die off and then the kids raise up and they don't know nothing about church because ain't nobody back there to teach them. This is a heavy message, and if they have to sit out here to learn the message, good luck. 
Unless you guys are willing to spend time with them during the week. That's the side. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna, all right. All right. So, um, and, 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 and look, and look at this. And here's the key. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. In other words, in other words, hey, Esther, I know you think you're the queen because you was the best looking female in the place, right? You're the best looking female in the kingdom. That's why you're the queen. Wrong. You cute, but you just I. You know what I mean? You I. You I. You I. Right? You ain't. You I. But because God wanted you in this position, maybe for this specific moment, to intercede on behalf of his people, this is why you are where you're at. So for such a time, you've attained royalty for such a time as this. Maybe you're here this morning for such a time as this, right? Maybe you, you, a lot of you are like, I don't know why I keep coming back to Church on the Rock, right? You're like, that Pastor Cray, I don't know why I keep coming back. There's something about him. I don't know why. I'm telling you why. To serve the kingdom, right? Think about it. Let's just be honest. There's been times, members, you can be, we can be real. There's been times you've been at Church on the Rock and you've been like, I just don't know why I would even go back after XYZ incident, XYZ back and forth with somebody being stepped on your toes or whatever. And something just, the spirit just drags you back in here, right? All right. Part of that reason is so that you can serve at this particular place. Why? Because he wants you to. It ain't nothing special about us. It's just where he wants you. So maybe you're here for such a time as this, to step up and serve in the areas that we're asking you to serve. Not because we need you to, right? God will make it happen somewhere. We just want to be a part of what he's doing. So, we, yes, we are expendable, but this, is, this might be your moment. I was, I was playing ball with Dave Collins. Raise your hand, Dave Collins. Yesterday, it was me, Clinton, Dave Collins, a couple other people. And check it out. We, I just got to tell this real quick because I said I'll get in there. Dave is not a three-point shooter, okay, at all. Not a three-point shooter at all, right? But in between games, Clinton and Dave were talking about, like, hey, you just got to take, take advantage of your moment, right? Like, your opportunity. Like, when you have it, just take, just take it and shoot it, right? You, you've, been there, you, you've been there where you're, like, you're wide open, and if you don't take the shot, people are like, why didn't you take the shot, right, Ryan? Like, take the shot, right? All right, so Dave got the ball in the middle of the game. I passed it to him. It was my assist, was it not? All right, just putting that out there. All right. Oh, yeah, point guard right here. So anyway, check it out. And so Dave got it, and he was ready to pass it off again, or whatever, and Clinton, who was on the other team, said, this is your moment. <laughs> it's just like Mordecai, like, for such a time as this, right? So, so Dave, Dave was like, this is my moment? And Clinton's like, it's your moment. And I'm like, man, shoot the ball, right? <laughs> and Dave shot the ball, and he hit. Like, he hit. And I was like, see, it was your moment. And, right? Like, <laughs> so, so, like, it's like, but, but a lot of us won't shoot the ball because we like the confidence, right? Or we think we're going to miss or we're going to be to blame of something. And it's like, no, no, this is your moment. It's not about you hitting or not hitting or whatever. It's about God getting glory, right? Like, I'm not going to hit on every sermon I preach, but guess what? God will. God will. I'm not, uh, Tyler's not going to hit every note. She might. She's good. But she's not going to hit every note, right? But God will. God will. This is how this works. So, you are expendable, and that's a good thing. That's actually a good thing because it should give you comfort knowing the kingdom does not rely on you. It doesn't rely on church on the rock, but it should also be a convicting thing because that means it, he doesn't need us. So if we're not 
if we're not stepping up to be a part of this, how should, really? Like you've been given this opportunity to, to take part in eternal life. You, you've been given the, oppor- the privilege, listen to me, the, the gospel, right? The power of salvation is in the message of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for in it, in the gospel, is the power of life. The power of salvation is right here, right? And you have an opportunity, not just every Sunday, but every single day of your life, to, to use that power to lead somebody to eternal life forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, right? You don't want to take part in that? Because of what? Because your insecurities? Of what? The power is in the gospel, not in you, not in your presentation, not in the way you're made up, not, not in your body weight, not in how tall you are, short you are, not in your ethnicity, not in your age, not in your gender. None of that has to do with the power of the gospel, the power of salvation. It's in the gospel. And he says, you, you unworthy people, you inadequate people, you dummies, flat out. All of you, all of you have this power when you believe in Jesus Christ and share that message. The world tells you you're stupid. The world tells you you're fat or you're too skinny. The world tells you you're too black, you're too white, you're too ghetto, you're too proper. The world says all this stuff about you, right? And God says you're just what I need. And you don't, you don't, wanna, you don't wanna be what he need? You don't, you don't wanna be used by that? You wanna go back to this world? who looks at you and judges you on all these other things that mean nothing for eternal life? That's what you want to do? I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. I want to be a part of what God's doing in the lives of others for eternal salvation. That's where I want to be. So, hello, my name is Expendable. And secondly, hello, my name is Exposed. Secondly, right? 1156, secondly. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Malachi 111. Let's get there real quick. It's not going to take too much longer. Okay. So, he says... Among the nations, meaning Israelite, chosen people, like you're expendable, same thing. Hey, church on the rock people. Hey, Christians in America, you're expendable, you're expendable. But he says, and in every place, incense is going to be offered to my name and a grain offering that is pure. So this incense right here, in the Old Testament, they would burn incense. And you had to use specific items, you know, some of this, some of this, some of that, specifically what God said, for it to be a, uh, an aroma to God, a good smelling aroma to God. If you go to Leviticus 10, uh, I believe the very first two verses and you read that, you'll see there are two people who, uh, I believe they're Moses' sons actually, and they kind of put whatever they wanted to in there, like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll throw in some of this, throw in some of that, and just burn it. And they died. <laughs> like, they flat out died because they didn't do it the way God wanted to. So, what is the instance of today? First of all, there's something in this every place, right? So, we know it's not, his name is not based on people, but look, his name is not based on place either. It's not place-based. Put that up for me. His name is not place-based, right? So it's not just not people-based, Israelites and the nation and all that stuff, but the temple. I don't need the temple. It doesn't have to happen here. Same way it doesn't have to happen at Church on the Rock, right? It can happen anywhere, every place, because of Christ. Christ broke that barrier. But the incense is today, it's our sacrifice. Uh, The Bible continuously talks about how we, our lives, are now an incense. Um, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, is it 2, Leah? I think that's what I put up there, 2 Corinthians. Whatever the 2 Corinthians is, just give it to me. Just throw it up there. Should be like 2.14 or 2.15. All right. Yep. So go back one. Yep, there we go. All right. 
But thank God, Paul says, he's talking to the Corinthians, he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us, look at this, he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Keep going. He says, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But the fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for this? So look at this. He's saying your life, the way you live your life, is a fragrance to God. And, 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 and whether you do that or somebody else do that, he's going to get his fragrance. So you've got to ask yourself, what do you smell like, right? Because some of us spiritually smell like B.O., I'm just being real. Some of us spiritually smell like B.O. because the lives you're living are not a fragrant aroma, a fragrant offering to God. You're so selfish in your, it's all about me, Christianity. It's all about making sure I'm holy and making sure I'm right. And I'm not, I'm not worried about who else gets this right or who, I'm not offering myself. I'm not a letter. I'm not a written message to people. Why? Because it's all about me. It's a, this internal Christianity when everything is about everybody else. Everything about Christian is everything else. So he says, look, some, you should be living a life that the life you live as a Christian, people who aren't saved smell death and doom. They see this life and they're like, wow, that's not me. And if that's the case, then that means this hell is for me. This, this eternal damnation is for me based on the way this person's living. It's a completely different life than me. But for those who are being saved, those who are believing, they're looking, they're like, oh, mm, you smell good. You smell so good because the way you live your life, the way that you're acting, the way that you're walking, it's, a, it's an aroma of Christ. And God looks at that and says, that is a sweet aroma to me. In Ephesians 5, we get another example of this. In Ephesians 5, verse 1, he says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Verse 2, look at this. He says, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a, look at that, a fragrant aroma. You see that? A fragrant aroma. So the way you love others, the way you sacrifice yourself for others is a fragrant aroma to God. Guess what part of that sacrifice is? Serving others. You see that? Coming into the church, coming in anywhere, not just on Sunday morning. Remember, it's not based on place and actually giving yourself your life for others, not based on what they can do for you, not based on the pats on the back or the accolades, but serving others. That's why I said last week, last week for Cameron, we showed up. We showed up. I was so proud of this church, this community, and everybody. But here's the thing. What happens now? When the lights aren't on, when the community's not watching, when you're not going to get a pat on the back, who steps up now? Hmm? Who goes and reaches the kids now? Who serves now? Who reaches out to the Allens now? Who reaches out to each other now? Who, who steps up now? Who steps up now? Because this is what happens. Everybody shows up when there's eyes on it, right? Everybody's there. But, but three months from now, ain't got time for each other. That's how it works. And, and so what happens is the one that you're doing is the fake, fickle serving. The one that's called on happens three months from now, six months from now, rest of your life. What happened last week should happen every week. Should happen every week. We shouldn't be shutting down kids' church because we can't get nobody to go back there. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. In a church of this large, like, like there's, there's churches smaller than this who don't even have kids. We're blessed with an abundance of kids and can't get nobody to go back there because everybody's inadequate in their own mind. And God goes, Paul says, who is adequate for this? None of, none of us are. I don't belong up here. 
It's him. So, so when you see me preaching, please, thank you for coming and saying, Pastor, that was a good sermon. But it was God's sermon. I, every time I'm preaching, these aren't ideas I come up with. You, like, sir, I'm regurgitating what's already in there. My, my job description is to take what he said and make it easier for you. That's it. I'm a translator at best. That's it. I'm like, okay, it says this. I know that's hard for you to understand, so here's a way that you can get it. Got it? Good. That's it. So it's, it's not a great sermon, Rashad, great message, Rashad. No. Tyler, oh, great singing, great worship. Yeah, she can sing up, but the word she's singing, it belongs to God. You see that? She's not adequate. She's not adequate to be singing those words. There's nothing about her life that makes her above and beyond to be singing. She's simply giving herself to God, like, hey, I can be using this way I want to be used. And everybody that serves here, everybody that serves here, none of you are worthy and adequate to do it. You're not. But, but God wants to use that. Why? Because in your clay jar, he gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. Why? Because you're not adequate. That's the point. If, if I'm doing this based on me, then I have reason to boast, and I have reason to be cocky, and I have reason to think that, hey, you, I, I deserve the accolades and the praise, right? But the more and more I realize, man, I could barely spell sometimes, right? And y'all be listening to me preach. I know half the words I say I'm not getting right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not that great of a speaker, right? Moses stuttered, right? And all these other things, all these things, you just keep looking at people throughout the Bible, and all you see is inadequacies. Why? Because God gets the glory in that. So, so we're asking you, like, hello, you know, my name is Expendable. Yes, you're Expendable, but you're also exposed. If you don't want to do serving or attending church or fellowship or discipleship, it's, 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 we're exposing you now. We're exposing all of you in here. Anybody that's a believer in here, we're exposing all of you. You have no excuse not to serve, whether it's here or at the church that you belong to, or maybe you don't go to a church. Why? Because of the people, you're exposed. You're exposed. That's not a good enough reason. Sorry. Gather, serve others, love others. That's simple. That's, that's what God wants. That's what we want for you. So, uh, and then finally, going back to Malachi 1, 11, I'm going to finish it up now. Oh, I actually got there. All right, yay. All right, all right. So... Sorry, sorry. So that was the incense is going to be offered up to my name and a grain offering that is pure. So he's like, hey, you with the, the lame and the blind and, and the, the sick offerings that you were giving, that's cool. You can keep your offerings. I'm going to get my pure offerings from a heathen nation, a Gentile nation. It's the same thing here. If you don't want to give, if you don't want to give of your first per se, you know, and not legalistic. If you don't want to give your best, if you just want to give your leftovers here, and I'm not just talking your treasures, I'm talking time, talent, and treasures, right? If you don't want to give of yourself and you just want to give God your leftovers, that's cool. Somebody will. He will raise somebody up who will, and it will be a pure offering. It will be a sincere offering. But going on, he says, for my, look at this, he repeats himself, for my name will be great among the nations. Hello, my name is exalted. So that's the last one. So we had, we had expendable, we had exposed, and now we have exalted. His promises are not based on the people. It's not based on the places. It's not based on your practices. So it's not based on the way you do religion. Some people get caught up on, if you don't do it this way and wear a suit when you preach it, it's not, his, his name is not based on that. It's not practice-based, but this is what it is. His name is promise-based. You see that? What makes God's name great? Just look at the promises, right? When, you, when, when, when I learned in 2011 that regardless of all of my wickedness, 
addicted to porn, addicted to alcohol, cheating on my wife, deadbeat father, aunt's drug dealer, and emotional abuser. And all. I can list these things. I could roll it out, and it would just keep going of who I was in 2011. When I learned that regardless of all of that, there was a man named Jesus who died on that cross for, for me, for me, the one that my mama rejected me, my mama kicked me out. Uh, Big Ron, Big Ron, raise your hand real quick. I know you don't like it. He's not going to raise his hand. All right, so Big Ron, there he is, all right. Big Ron, uh, he's, this is the second week here. That man right there took me in because my mom kicked me out and, and gave up. And we, this is a big story. That man took me in as a young adult at, at the bottom of my life. I mean, at the bottom of my life, I, my, I had done Brittany so wrong that she was done. My daughter didn't want nothing to do with me. My mom didn't want nothing to do with me. I, I didn't want nothing to do with me right? And every Christian that I came in contact with didn't want nothing to do with me. God still raised up somebody, right? It, it, nobody wanted to step up, no problem. God's like, that's okay. I got somebody else for you, right? But, but, so, so what happens is like, um, I'm sorry, that, that just hit me hard. But what, what ends up happening is it was in those moments and time spent there, and then later on, reading about Christ dying on a cross when everybody that I knew in my life gave up on me that he never did. In fact, he knew about this ahead of time, and he still gave his life for me. And, and he says, um, that's a promise. He says, he says, I know the 28 years you've spent in disobedience to me. I know your mama doesn't want nothing to do with you anymore. I know your wife, you've done so much to her that she had to leave you. I know your daughter doesn't even want to know who you are anymore. I know all of these things, and I still died for you. And, and if you just believe in me, you will have eternal life with me. And not only that, if you surrender to me, I will change your life. That man who had nothing but a bag of clothes walking into Big Ron's house and saying, can I sleep on the couch? Can I sleep in the garage? That man is now preaching before you right now. So, so his name is great. If, if, if it's not great to you, it's great to me. And there's, an, there's another million stories in the world just like mine, better, worse, whatever, who will continue to praise his name with or without you. You guys can come up now. With, with or without you. With or without you, his name is great. His name is wonderful. Why? Because the promise on the cross is what makes his name great. Because, because of just who he is, right? Just because of who he is, with or without you. So here's the thing. I know that Things happen in life that really taint our view of God. Things happen in life that really challenge us to, is he still great? Is he still good? Is he still wonderful? I know. I, I've been through all of it. I've, I've said it. I've screamed it. I've been in anger. I've, I've cussed at God. I've been so upset that I literally was cussing at God. How are you wonderful? How are you great? And every time I look back at that cross, I'm corrected. I'm corrected. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus, the name of the one who I just got finished cussing out in my breath, in, in my prayer, in my spirit, who, who looked at me cheating on my wife, who looked at me being bad to my daughter, who looked at me 
you know, dealing drugs to a community and drinking alcohol and watching porn and all these other things and still dies for me? How great of a name is that? Because my own mama wouldn't do that for me. How great of a name is that? So, so today we're asking those who don't know that name, we're asking you to call on it. Why? Why? Because it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. And those of you who do know the name, we need to live in a way where we realize we are expendable, we have been exposed, and it's not about us being exalted, it's about him being exalted. So stand up with us and sing. What a wonderful name it is.
so before you, before you leave out, think about the words to that right there. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Not the name of Dave or Rashad or Ty or Bill or Adam. Not your name, right? If, if it was based on you, then yes, I wouldn't sign up for anything. I wouldn't serve anywhere because my name is not that powerful. But when I'm singing about Jesus and how he overcame the grave and how he overcame and death couldn't hold him, surely my inadequacies can't hold him back from moving in my life either, right? What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. So we put out, we put out our things over there to serve. Here's the sad part. We only put out the ones that aren't filled up, and, and 90% of what's over there is teaching the kids. It's teaching the kids. We will equip you with what you need, but more importantly, God will equip you with what you need if you just surrender in that area. We're asking you to step up over there. And also, one quick thing. My wife is home today. She very... She took care of me all week, so she's tired, okay? Um, I need somebody to help with the coffee stuff, getting it washed out, put back. Whoever gets over there first, just please knock that out for us. But once again, the powerful name of Jesus. Let that move you into the week. When you're thinking, I don't want to share Christ with my friends because I might do it wrong, mm -mm. Jesus can use your inadequate gospel sharing for his glory. It may be that right there that makes it where somebody comes to Christ because they're like, oh, well, you're not perfect about it, so I can be involved in this too. Our whole church is built on this. We're in a garage without all the backdrops and lights that other places have because we're trying to show you he can use this garage with all this brokenness that is in here and people are being saved weekly. So he can use us. He can use you. The question is, do you want to be done? We thank you for the powerful name of Jesus. We thank you that it's through him, through his sacrifice, Father, that we have access to you. May we not take that for granted. May we not repeat what we have read in Malachi of those who had access to you, Father. Instead, uh, they just took it for granted and, and just was lazy about it. Father, may we learn from the mistakes of the Old Testament so that we can be the New Testament church you've called us to be. If there's anybody here, Father, who doesn't understand that powerful name, may they reach out to the person next to them. May they reach out to me. May we just be able to step up for such a time as this, Father, and lead them to you. And Father, for those who do know you, those who do have that relationship with you, we're asking, Father, that you just tattoo this message on our hearts uh, put it on the forefront of our minds that it's not about us. You do not need us, Father. You choose to use us. It is a privilege to be used by you, not your priority to use us. And we thank you for that. That is not based on how well we are, how good we are, how perfect we are, but it's based on how powerful you are. Father, for that we thank you. It is in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. I love you all. Thank you so much for an amazing morning. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.